Father, we thank you, God, that you are indeed always the same, that you continue on and on and on. And even though sometimes we fall short or we may maybe lax maybe in our relationship with you or our desire to follow you or weaken our faith or whatever the case may be, God, you are faithful and you are always present and you are always there to wrap us up in your arms when we come back to you. So, Lord, I pray for the people that are in this room. God, I'm not sure exactly uh, what it is from your word that will speak to somebody, but I know wholeheartedly, God, that you have intended this word for somebody. So I pray that you would speak to their hearts through the power of your word and through your Holy Spirit, that he would move in this place, and God, just show people, God, what they need to see. God, so they can have a deeper relationship with you. God, their, their hearts can be mended if they're broken. God, that they can... Uh, just just learn. God, maybe you need to do surgery on somebody's heart tonight. Maybe that's what needs to happen. God, I pray which, that, that you do what you need to do because you know us better than we know ourselves. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege of worshiping you, God, and for the, the great honor it is to be able to read from your word and hear what you have to say to us. May you be glorified in this time as well. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So we're continuing our study of Philippians. And... This is kind of crazy that, that this particular uh, group of verses, if you call this passage, fell on me, uh, that it was my turn to, to preach this to you because this is kind of a, I don't know, it, it's kind of near and dear to me in a, little, in a way. Just, it, it's something that, that, that I was reading and studying and trying to understand, God, what it is that, that you'd like for me to bring out in this passage. I think I, think I really kind of understood because this is something that's kind of close to me. So here, it, we, we called this series Philippians, and you can see it up on the screen here, right? Oh, there it is. Um, the bigger picture is kind of taking a step back and, and looking at things from a little bit further, you know, a, a, a little bit further distance. So we can say, you know, what's really going on here? And I think that we need to do that within the church. I think we need to do that within this church. Um, there is a tendency, uh, I, uh, there is a tendency for some people to hesitate to come to Simple Church if I'm not doing the preaching. I have heard that, I have seen that, and I am so not okay with that, <laughs> okay? This church is way bigger than Kenny Nicks. Kenny Nicks, this idea did not come from Kenny Nicks. This idea came from God. God is the one that created this. God is the one that brought these people together. And it is so much bigger than Kenny Nicks, okay? I, I want to make that absolutely clear that this is not about me. And as followers of Jesus Christ, I think we need to take a step back sometimes and look at the bigger picture and see what's really going on here and what God has called us to do. Because it's, it's certainly not just about one man. It cannot be just about one man. I have no ability within me to save anybody's soul. It has to be about Jesus Christ. So as I read Paul being in prison, I have to, in my mind, go, you know, Paul's, he, he's, he's under house arrest, chained to a Roman soldier, writing this letter to, to the Philippian church, and he's talking to them about what they need to do, how they need to continue on in the faith, right? And I can't help but to wonder, maybe just maybe the reason Paul is in prison is so he can write to the church. Maybe, just maybe, Paul's in prison because he's not supposed to be there in their midst. He's supposed to be encouraging them from a distance to begin with because Paul's not going to live to be 5,000 years old. At some point, Paul's going away. 
And he can't be there walking around with the church every single step they take and going, all right, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do that. And maybe what God is doing here is weaning them off a little bit. Now, don't get the crazy notion that, oh, Kenny's just setting us up because he's about to leave. That's not what I'm saying, okay? I'm just trying to tell you that this is way bigger than me. And maybe, just maybe, what, what, what God was doing here was, was kind of weaning them off a little bit. Maybe he was kind of just kind of saying, ah, you know what, Paul, instead of being in their midst and, and teaching them and holding their hand, maybe you've got to start encouraging them from a distance through your, through your letters to them, which thank God that he did because we have the New Testament as a result of it, right? I'm so glad that Paul decided to write some stuff down. I'm so glad that he was in prison, as a matter of fact, because if he hadn't been in prison, then, then, then he wouldn't be writing letters to the church. And we wouldn't have God's word like it is today if Paul hadn't been in prison. So when you take a step back and look at what's really going on here, you go, man, thank God Paul was in prison. You ever thought about that? Praise the Lord that Paul was in prison. Something way bigger, way bigger going on than just Paul, than just Kenny. Now, I'm not putting myself on the same level as Paul, understand. I'm just saying it's way bigger than any man. And Paul's writing to the, to the Philippian church. And I guess when I say that, I just I want you to realize that, man, there's something so much bigger going on here. And, and, and to say, well, you know, I don't know if I feel like going tonight because Kenny's not going to be preaching or whatever. That's ridiculous, man. That's absolutely ridiculous. This is about Jesus Christ coming in here, worshiping him, listening to him through the Holy Spirit. Speaking to you through God's word. That's what this place is about. And here we're going to read that tonight as we begin in Philippians chapter 2. Beginning in verse 12, it says this, Dear friends, you've always followed my instructions when I was with you. When I was right there in your midst, you didn't have any problems following instructions, right? You didn't have any problems at all when I was right there walking alongside of you. Well, well, now he's not there. He said, you didn't have any problems following the instructions when I was right there in your midst. You didn't have any problems coming to church, gathering together as believers, doing what you were supposed to do. He said, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. I'm not there with you right now, but... But I, I'm, I'm showing you and I'm teaching it is even more important now that I'm gone that you do these things, that you follow these instructions. Now, you would think, man, he'd be like, it was very important when he was there. Now he's saying it is even more important now I'm not there that you do these things. Why would he be saying that? Why would Paul be saying it is even more important now that you be faithful, that you continue in the faith? Because it's not supposed to stop with Paul. It's not supposed to quit growing once Paul walks out the door. It's not supposed to, to, to not continue to expand and reach people for the cause of Christ. It's not supposed to stop just because Paul's not there. It's supposed to increase and not decrease. He says, continue on, make it greater, do everything you can to, to be more obedient to the instructions that you've been given. It's way more important now than it ever was when I was with you. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. He said, uh-oh, there's that word. Man, we keep running across this word in Scripture. Now he throws two words at us that we don't like so much, right? Work and hard. 
You know, we really don't like either one of those words, but we certainly don't like both of them together, do we? Work is bad enough, Kenny. Now, I, I work. I got a job, okay? I put in like 18 hours a week. I am sweating like crazy putting in 18 hours a week, working my rear end off, right? Starbucks or wherever you work. I don't know where you work, but... But here he says, work hard. Oh, you mean I got to work and it's hard too? I got to do hard work. I, I, I can either do work or I can do hard stuff. I don't know if I can do both of those together. He says, work hard. Work hard in your faith to show the results of your salvation. What is the results of your salvation? A deeper desire to walk with God, to follow God, to obey, God and obey God's instructions. He says, with deep reverence and fear. And fear. Well, what, what is fear of God? Fear of, uh, 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 when you have reverential fear for God, this is an understanding of who God is and what his wrath looks like. And, and it's not supposed to be like this, you know, beat into submission kind of fear thing that you've got in your relationship with God. It's an awe-inspiring fear, realizing who he is, the almighty creator of the universe, and saying, that guy has asked me to do this. He knows everything that's ever been known. He contains all knowledge and, and has created everything that I've ever known to exist. He has specific instructions for me. As a little speck of dust on this earth, that God has, has specific instructions for me. It's supposed to be a reverential fear, kind of looking at, at who God is. If we can, God is bigger than anything you can imagine. Think of the biggest thing you can imagine. The universe, all the stars, you know, stars that it takes... Thousands upon thousands of light years to get here, right? Like they're light. It takes thousands upon thousands of light years to even reach the earth so we even know that they exist. And when a star goes away, it burned out millions of years before we ever see it disappear from our sky. Bigger than that. More expansive. He doesn't exist in, in space or time. So, so we think of terms of, of yesterday and today, and, and, and we think of 10 years ago, and we think of 10 years in the future and what those things are like. God exists in all those spaces and all those times all at the same time. You're like, Kenny, I don't know if I can wrap my mind around that. Exactly. Exactly. He exists yesterday, and he exists today in the same time. He, doesn't, he isn't bound by space and time like we are. He's eternal. He always was. Nothing created God, he just was. Before, before anything ever existed, God was. That God, that God has specific instructions for your life. If that doesn't evoke fear, a reverential fear in your heart for the instructions that he's given you, man, I don't know if you'll ever get it. I don't know if you'll ever get it. And this, this is the other thing. So if you've got that reverential fear for who God is, thinking about the amazing expansiveness that, that is God, this says, for God is working in you. God is working in you, giving you desire and power to do what pleases Him. Not only does He give you instructions. See, this is what's crazy about God. He doesn't just say, follow the rule book. That's what your mom and daddy does, right? Like, here's the rules. Follow these rules. You live under my house. You live under my roof. You're going to do what I say, blah, 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 right? Your parents give you instructions, you follow those rules. God gives you instructions, you follow those rules. And he empowers you to be able to follow the rules. When, when your faith is weak and you don't think that you can, God gives you more faith. He gives you more strength to be able to continue on. 
That he, he's the one that empowers you to be able to follow the rules. That's, that's mind-blowing in itself, right? And he says, God is working in you, doing things in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now we get to the hard stuff. It's all been easy up to this point, right? It's all, I'm like, oh, I can do all that, right? I can imagine the expansiveness that is God, and I can e comprehend the fact he doesn't exist in space or time, and working hard, Kenny, I got that, man. Yeah, I got that. Now I guess the real hard stuff, everybody's like, oh, it's really going to be not easy church tonight. He says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Paul's way off, he's in jail. Paul's in jail, chained to a Roman soldier, and he's writing a letter to him. He says, do everything without complaining or arguing. Now just let that sit on you for a minute. How much do we complain about, right? How, mu how much do we really whine about? There was, we were having this thing at work, and I, I told some guys this the other day. I said, we were having this, this thing at work. I said, what do you do to relax in the afternoon when work is stressful? And this one lady answered. She said, wine. I said, is that with or without the H? You know, like what? That, that's all right. You'll get it about 1030 tonight. You'll wake. I know what he meant. I got it. Yeah. So how much stuff do we complain about, really? How, how much stuff do we whine about? This is not right. I don't like the temperature in here. It's, you know, it, it, it's 75 degrees in here. You know, how can I possibly stay in church? How can I possibly, you know, sit in these chairs for more than 30 minutes at a time? How, how can I possibly be expected to, to, to do this, to, to go out and talk to somebody or, 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 or tell them about God's love and how, how, how good God is and you know, I, I just, I don't even have air conditioning in my car. How can I possibly talk about how good God is to somebody else? we got a little video I want to show you. This is, this is pretty good. We need to see this. I hate when my phone charger won't reach my bed. I hate when my little seat aren't heated. When I go to the bathroom and I forget my phone. La radio no machine a laver, yo commence sentir. I hate it when my house is so big. I need two wireless washers. When my megan makes my hot water taste too cold. When I have to write my maid a check, but I forget her last name. Mpaka iki message va marcher en même temps. Mon te quitter cache en bas. I hate it when I tell them no pickles and they still give me pickles. That's us, isn't it? That's us, man. I don't know if I can continue on. Our Wi-Fi is down in the house. I don't know if I can live. When you see somebody drinking out of the same river that, that somebody else is washing their motorcycle and somebody else is bathing in the same river, when you see that, you go, maybe I don't have so much to complain about. 
Maybe, maybe I really don't have it that bad. Maybe all the whining that I do. Maybe it's, maybe it's not really beneficial, first of all, but maybe I got no place to complain, right? But we feel in, in this stinking country has got us so spoiled, we feel entitled to everything, right? We feel like we're entitled to a car when we turn 16. We feel like when we graduate college that, man, we're automatically supposed to, it's supposed to be a job just waiting for us, right? It's just supposed to be automatic. Man, I went to college. I went to extra school. I, I, I'm owed a job, you know. Somebody needs to hire me. I got some letters out there. Pass my name. Man, I, I deserve a job. If I don't get a job, then I deserve unemployment. If I lose my job, I deserve this or I deserve that. Man, we're so stinking spoiled. We complain about, about everything in the world. We're not entitled to anything. I said it just the other day. I said, man, God has given us everything that we have. You aren't entitled to anything. Now, I don't know specifically if this church had an issue with it. But this is what I do know. Most every church I know has an issue with it. So I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if Paul, if the churches he preached at, they had an issue with it too. Complaining. Arguing. Oh, we can't even get a law. We can't even decide. I mean, we're, we're pushing forward for the cause of Christ here, and we're arguing about what that's supposed to look like. Now, I will say this. I will say we have less of this in here. Normally, if it turns into complaining and not arguing so much. We just do stuff, and people complain about it, and that's okay. I'm okay with that too, right? We just, it's like, this is what I think we need to do. And we go, well, they may not like that. And I go, well, they'll complain. We're going to do it anyway, you know? I mean, it's just kind of the way we operate. Now, I'm not saying that we don't pray about it and all that, which we do, you know, and as a team, we, we decide, as a leadership team, we decide what direction we're going to take, but, but I will say this, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of arguing that goes on. That's just not the way we operate in here, but think about within the con confines of your family. They're supposed to be representing Christ as a Christian family when it comes to, to decision-making, and what are we supposed to do? Is Christ at the center of that? Is he, is he the main focus? Or is it what I want, what I desire, and, and I want that? I want, I, I want this, and you want that, and if we don't agree, then we're going to argue about it. And we do that, right? Paul says, I'm in, I'm in prison. He says, try to do it without complaining and arguing. Because Christ is the most important. Take a step back, look at the bigger picture. Look at what you're blessed with. Look at what you have. Look at the fact that you're walking around with other believers, walking in the faith, and you got a chance to reach other people for the cause of Christ. Take a look at that for a second. Take a look at the bigger picture for just a minute. Do it without complaining and arguing. Why? Why, why are we supposed to? So that, he says it so that no one can criticize you. Well, how would they criticize you if you're arguing and complaining? Imagine within the church there's arguing and complaining going on. Now, some of you have probably done this. I know that I've been guilty of it before. You've complained about the church. Maybe not this church, but maybe some other church. And, and I've been guilty of this before. But when, when non-believers hear that, when, when they listen to that, what do they think? Man, I don't want to tie some more arguing and complaining onto, onto my agenda. I don't want to tie that on my back. I've already got enough complaining and arguing in my family. Why do I need to go to a church where they do that too? He says, do it so that no one can criticize you. No one can, can say, man, 
I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of that. Why am I going to go and all they do is, is really hard stuff? And, and, and why do I want to go and, and be a part of that? And, and I'm going to complain too, just like they complain about doing stuff. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. This is what he says. He says, live clean, innocent, as, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. We, you, you, you hear all the time, we're supposed to be a light on a hill, right? We're, we're supposed, to be, supposed to be different, and people are supposed to look at us and say, man, that is Christ living in that person. That, that is something different. That is something to be attained. Man, I want to be like that. And we're supposed to be bright lights shining in the darkness. If, we're, if we look just like everybody else, then we're, we're not bright. We're not shining. We're not looking different. We look like everybody else. We just look like everybody else in the darkness. We're supposed to look different. The complaining and the arguing just makes us look like everybody else. But Paul says, man, I'm in prison. Will you just listen to me here? You did a good job with this when I was there, but now I want you to recognize you got to do this even more. you got to do less complaining, less arguing. you got to shine more brightly for the cause of Christ. This is what he said. This, this, it, man, if, if something happens to me, God forbid, if something happens and I go away, like, you know, hit by a bus, whatever, I don't know what could happen to me. That could happen, right? I, I'm, I'm tough, but bus hits me, I'm going down, okay? I'm not going to be here. Listen, listen to what, what he says. This is what I would want you to do. If you're like, Kenny, what should we do if something does happen to you? Philippians chapter 2, verse 16. Hold firmly to the word of life. Hold firmly to the word. This, that, this is the most important thing. Okay? This book right here. Hang on to it, man. Like, like it's your lifeline. Don't, don't let it slip through the cracks. And, and we got people all the time that are ignoring God's word. And, and the only time they're getting God's word is on Sundays and Wednesdays. And, and that's not okay. But I'm just telling you, no matter what happens, don't let this word slip away. Whoever you get to replace me, make sure that they are, they are, they're, they're washing you with the water of the Word. Make sure that they're constantly pouring over the Word. And make sure that the Word is the most important thing in this place. Hang on to it tightly. He says, then, on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useful, useless. Hanging on. If, if, if I'm not there and you guys hang on to the word of, of life, to the word of God, if you hang on to that, then when the day of Christ's return, then I'll feel like, man, I did something. I, I did something as God called me to do. As, as an obedient follower of Christ, I did what God called me to do because they're still hanging on to the word. If you want to know what you're supposed to do if something happens to Kenny Nix, Philippians chapter 2, verse 16. Hang on to the word and don't let it go. And whoever you get to come up here, make sure they're preaching the word to you and make sure it's just the word, just like God wrote it. That they're preaching it to you in context and not just picking and choosing what they like to hear. And if you do that, yeah, it, it'll be hard. It'll be hard to hear. There'll be, I don't know if you realize this, but I just tell you what's in here and there's some tough teaching in here. There really is. Can you preach so hard sometimes? You know why I preach hard? It's because it is hard. It was written hard. 
Jesus preached hard. He didn't go chasing after everybody. Oh, it's too hard. I'm sorry. Come back. I'm so sorry you didn't like the way that sounded. Will you come back? I'll preach something easier next, the next day. He just looked at his 12 and said, well, y'all going away too? I almost feel like he, if they'd have said, yeah, Jesus, we're out, he'd have said, all right. You know? If people go away because the teaching is hard, that's not up to me. This is God's word. I won't change it and make it easier. I've seen that done. And the people that do that might ought to tie a stone around their neck and, and throw themselves into the sea. Satan twisted God's word. He did that in the garden. He says, uh, I did not run the race in vain that my work was not useless, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. He says, he says, man, even if I lose my life, at least I know that they're continuing on in the faith, just like your faithful service, just like you pouring your life out, continuing on in the faith, not quitting, not giving up, not, not going anywhere else, but going straight to the Word. And I want to share, I, I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. This is what he says, man. He says, if you keep doing this, he says, you're going to have joy. If you keep on keeping on, you're going to have joy. Like, man, Kenny, I wish I had joy. I wish I, wish I had that. Well, let's see what God's Word says. Hold firmly to the Word of life and stay faithful. Oh, Kenny, joy is such a mystery to me. I don't know how to have it. I don't know where to go, man. I keep looking for it. Hold firmly to the word of life and, and be faithful in your service to God. Wait, you didn't get it. So you're looking for joy. Like, I don't know where to get it. Like, Kenny, I've been searching for it. Hold firmly to the word of life and continue on in faithful service to God. Oh, you mean that's the reason I don't have joy? I've been looking for it. It was a mystery to me. And it was right there in Philippians chapter 2 the whole time. I didn't know it. No, you knew it. You just didn't know it, right? You had to be reminded of it today just like you did yesterday. You heard it before, but you needed to hear it again today. That's okay. That's okay. That's why Paul wrote the letter. That's the bigger picture. That's the bigger picture. So, what's the rest of chapter 2 about? It's hard. Okay, doing this stuff is hard. Living this life is hard. Being somebody that's faithful in their service to, to God is hard. Staying faithful to the Word is hard. It's hard work, not arguing, not complaining. It's all hard, right? But what Paul does in the rest of chapter 2 is this. Is he gives you examples of men who have done it. Of men who are doing it at this time. He says, I'm going to just read it to you. We're going to go through it really quick. I'm not really going to expound upon it a lot. I just want you to know, these are examples of men who are doing it. We know that Jesus Christ is the standard. I got that, right? Well, we need some examples of some real men that are walking that path. And like, can it really be done, Kenny? Can you, can you really do these things that this word says? 
Listen to what Paul says. If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he could cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. <laughs> what, what, do we, what do we see just, just Sunday? Like, I want you to do this. He's writing to Philemon, right? And he says, I want you to do this. And by the way, uh, go ahead and make up a room for me. Go ahead and make my bed because I'm coming to check up on you. Well, here he says, do these things. And I'm going to send my boy Timothy. He's going, go ahead and make his bed because he's coming too. And he's going to check up on you. Paul, don't let him off the hook, man. That's what I'm going to do. I'm gonna, some dude named Timothy is going to walk up in here like, I know Kenny's dead, but he sent me. And he wanted me to check up on y'all. He says, then he can cheer me up by telling me how you're getting along. Man, they are just, they're all hugging each other. And, and man, they are, there's no complaining. There's no arguing. Timothy, he's coming, and he can tell me how well you're getting along. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for the matters of Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proven himself. Like a son is uh, with his father, he has served with me in preaching the good news. I hope to send him to you just as soon as I find out what's going on to happen to me here. He didn't lose his life here. He, he goes on to lose his life another time in captivity. And he says, And I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon. He's hoping, man, not only is Timothy coming back to tell me how well you're doing, but he says, I'm going to come too. In case you're wondering, man, maybe we can, we can look good when, when, when Timothy gets here and we can all look like we're getting along, but when Paul comes, when Paul shows up at your front door, he's going to know, right? You, can't, you, can't, you might be able to fool Timothy, but you ain't going to be able to fool both of them. He says, I'm, I'm coming to see you soon. Uh, meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, a co-worker, a fellow soldier. And he was your messenger to help me in my need. I am sending him because he has been longing to see you. And he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. And he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died. But God had mercy on him and also on me so that I would not have uh, one sorrow after another. So I am all the more anxious to send him back to you for I know you will be glad to see him and then I will not be so worried about you. Welcome him with Christ's love, Christian love and with great joy. And give him honor that people like him deserve. For he risked his life for the work of Christ. And he was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. What does he say about Timothy and Epaphroditus? He says, man... They're faithful, not only they're faithful to the work of Christ, but they're faithful to me too. They're good friends of mine. They're brothers in Christ to me. They're like family to me. And then they're with me, and I'm sending them to you. Why? Why? What's the bigger picture? What's going on here? What, what's Paul trying to accomplish? The work of God. The work of God. Continuing to preach the word, continuing to strengthen the church, build up the church. These are brothers in Christ that, that, that are called to lead. And they're, 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 they've been alongside Paul and they've been walking with Paul and learning from Paul. And say, you know what, now's their time to step up 
and show you some additional things that, man, you can do to encourage one another. They're going to check up on you, and they're going to be there for you. And I know you've been worried about them. And, and, and Epaphroditus, he was sick, and, and I'm just sending them to you. I want you to see them. I want you to, to put your hands on I want you to hug their necks. Because the work's got to continue. The work's got to continue. That's the whole purpose. The work has got to continue. It can't stop no matter what happens to me. No matter if my life comes to an end, the work doesn't stop with me. It doesn't stop with one man. This, it, it stops with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He, he's the reason that we continue on in faithful service and hanging on to His Word. He's the reason. He's the reason. So here, here's my challenge. Here's the quote-unquote invitation, I guess you would say. It's this. Have you ever felt like you were weak in your faith and you couldn't go on? You ever felt like you were about to quit and you, you said, you know what, enough's enough. I, I've, you know, this, this was said inside our church. It says, you don't lose till you quit. You don't lose till you quit. You ever felt weak and tired and unable to continue on? Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. What if you were up here? And, and I was out there. What would you do in that situation? What if you had to preach to a bunch of people like you? Would you, would you quit? Would you stop? Because here's the challenge. It may be you. You all have a circle of influence. People that are around you, they're looking at you because you are a Christ follower and they look at you as a leader. Are you stepping up into that role? Or are you showing them? Are you, is your light shining brightly before them? When they, when they look at you and say, that person calls themselves a Christian. They call themselves a Christ follower, so they're supposed to look different. And I'm looking at them trying to see, are you stepping up into that role? Are you pushing forward even though it's hard? It's hard work. Are you continuing on? Are you just saying, you know what? It's somebody else's responsibility. The whole thing is, it's not. It's my responsibility. It's your responsibility. It's every single one of, one of us. It's our responsibility. Because Paul is writing this to the whole church. And the whole church has a responsibility to be the light. Not just Paul. And that's what he's trying to tell them. Are, is that you? Are you stepping up? Are, are you doing what it takes? Are you continuing in the faith? Are you... Are you are you studying the Word like you'll be preaching the Word one day? It could be. It could be. Why not you? Why not you? Let me pray. Father, thank you, God, for your Word. Thank you for the testimony of Paul. And while he was in prison, he was continuing to challenge the church in Philippi to continue on in the faith, continue to push forward. God, they're supposed to do more. They're supposed to, to push forward harder. It's hard work, but they're supposed to do it more even when he's not there. Lord, I pray that we would be people like that. And when people look at us, they would see our light shining brightly for Christ, that we would be a light in the darkness. I know it's not easy. I know it's very hard to be that light when everybody around you is trying to pull you down and pull you back to their level. But God, that's what you've commanded us to do. You've not asked us. You've commanded us as Christians. We're supposed to be the light of the world. 
Are we that light? That's the question we need to be asking ourselves. Are we, are we pouring ourselves into your word? God, are we letting the word wash us clean? Are we, are we continuing in faithful service for Christ? Are we doing these things? Do we look at our lives and say, look at all I don't have? Are we looking at our lives saying, look at what I do have? I have no right to complain. I have no right to argue. Christ is the most important thing. Is, is that us? Is that what we're doing? Or are we spending more time focused on everything else and complaining about what we don't have? I pray that we wouldn't be like that. I pray that we would be your church. God, and as your church... God, we'd be the people that are going out reaching people for the cause of Christ. We wouldn't just look at the pastor or the leaders and say, that's your responsibility. That we indeed would be the leaders and we say, you know what? I am a light for Christ. I am going to go out and reach people for his cause. I'm going to serve him faithfully. God, however you have challenged people and you've spoken to their hearts, God, I pray that they respond to you. They're obedient to you. God, they respond in whatever way you call them to. Uh, this is your time. It belongs to you. God, do your will in people's hearts and in their lives right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Will everyone please stand.